Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about uh, the process and, and, and the approach that we adopt when giving advice to clients in respect to how much insurance that they need, personal risk protection insurance, and then how to manage the cost of that insurance over time. Uh, because we're finding that personal insurance is becoming a lot more difficult to obtain, uh, at least without any exclusions or loadings, and it's increasingly costly to maintain. So it's really important that we have the right approach so that we balance out you know, risk and cost, because it's not a case of uh, looking to insure every risk. Of course, we need to take or uh, I would counsel people to say, uh, to understand that we need to take some risk, uh, but not un- unacceptable levels of risk. Uh, so when I'm talking about personal risk protection insurance, I'm really talking about sort of four main products. Uh, the first one's income protection insurance, which pays you a regular monthly benefit if you're un- unable to work, uh, either completely or partially, uh, until you're able to return to work. Uh, you've got life insurance, uh, which is obviously as as the um, name describes. You know, if you pass away, you uh, you uh, your um, beneficiaries receive a lump sum benefit. Uh, then there's TPD insurance, which stands for Total uh, and Permanent Disability. So that's if you um, have a an accident or illness and you're unable to re- ever return to work. Uh, and the last one is trauma insurance, uh, which pays a lump sum. Uh, benefit uh, on diagnosis of a specified condition, uh, and there's typically so 25 to 35 specified conditions uh, in a trauma policy, uh, and statistically, uh, it's most likely to include a cancer or cardiovascular uh, event. Um, and the difference between trauma insurance and the others is that you need to demonstrate symptoms uh, in the other products where trauma insurance is just based on a, um, a, a diagnosis. So, you, you know, you don't have to suffer any, any symptoms as a result of that diagnosis. So they're the, just want to frame it, they're the sort of four products that I'm really talking about uh, that helps us manage our personal risk. Uh, of course, there's lots of other insurance products like uh, health insurance, home and contents, car, those sorts of things. They're what's called general insurance products, uh, and you need a general insurance broker, not a financial advisor or financial planner, uh, to advise you in respect to those. But financial advisors and planners talk mostly, or really just exclusively, about um, personal risk protection insurance. Of course, there's some business-related insurances that we uh, consider as well. Uh, So there's two factors, two main factors typically, of course everyone's situation is different, but there are two main factors that tend to dictate how much insurance is appropriate for any particular client. And the first one is uh, financial commitments or obligations. Things like mortgages, living expenses of course, particularly for uh, any dependents you might have, uh, children's education costs, um, any dependents outside of your immediate family, uh, those sorts of things. And the higher the level of commitments you have, typically the more insurance you need. And it's probably good to point out that I look at insurance as a necessary consequence of borrowing. So if I'm prepared to go out and borrow a million bucks, for example, to go and buy an investment property, 
then I should be willing to go and make sure that I've got appropriate insurance cover. Uh, if I'm not prepared to do that, then I would say that you've got to think twice about borrowing because it's it's no point taking the risk and then not mitigating the risk. Uh, so I really look at insurance to some degree as a cost of borrowing. Uh, the second uh, consideration is financial strength uh, or, or really net worth, um, financial resources, depending on how you want to sort of define it. Uh, obviously, the stronger your asset base is, the less insurance you need. Um, especially if you've got sufficient financial resources to maintain living expenses for the rest of your your life with or without any earned income. So, you know, if you're not able to work, but you've still got a, a significant asset base, then you don't really need insurance. And same, so you've got to consider these two factors um, at the same time. You know, if I've got a high level of financial commitments, but I've got an extremely strong asset base, probably don't need uh, very much or maybe no insurance. Uh, if I have a lot of financial commitments and a very weak asset base, uh, I'm in a higher risk category, therefore I do I do need insurance. So these two factors, financial commitments and financial strength, tend to change throughout our life cycle. And I think that there's really sort of four distinct uh, phases in a, a person's life cycle. Of course, this is a general, a massive generalisation, in fact, uh, but it tends to hold true, uh, relatively true in most situations. And so those four different phases in, in a life cycle tend to have relatively predictable levels of insurance uh, that goes along with them. So let's talk about those four different uh, phases and, uh, you know, what, what sort of insurance uh, that, uh, that you might need in each phase. And hopefully what this does is help you help, you know, sort of relate this uh, consideration of financial commitments and your financial strength to your own personal situation. Okay, so the first phase is when you're single, young, no dependents, uh, no commitments, etc., etc. Sure, you might have a, a really weak asset base. You might not have much money to your name. Uh, look, you might have some financial commitments like a car loan, those sorts of things. But, you know, you know that if it all goes pear-shaped, you can uh, pick up your bongos and move back in with your parents. Uh, so, you know, you, you are really relatively low risk in that situation. And in that situation, arguably, you need very little uh, insurance, uh, perhaps no insurance at all. The next phase is what I would call kind of young family. Uh, and that could be young or, or a growing family, I guess. Uh, and really, probably, if I, if I drew a sort of circle around ages 30 to 50, sort of that 20-year period where people... Um, might get married, establish a family, the kids get older and eventually um, start moving towards financial independence themselves. Uh, and uh, that's a situation where you have a growing level of commitments, uh, you know, because you might go and buy a home and then renovate or upgrade, you might buy an investment property, have, have some kids and therefore you've got, you know, 18 plus years of um, uh, raising those children, educating them and those sorts of things. At the same time as, you know, you probably have a relatively low asset base as well. So this is where you are arguably at the peak um, of your, uh, you know, your lifetime peak of your insurance needs. You're probably not going to need more insurance at any time than in your 30s. And that's kind of good too because, well, it's it's convenient that um, uh, insurance is relatively cost-effective in your 30s as well. So it's not uh, impossible to um, be adequately insured and uh, at, a, at an affordable level. 
Um, the next phase is uh, maybe I'll call it empty nesters, and that's really a situation where you know kids, uh, you know, and if private school fees uh, have evaporated, kids are starting to become more financially independent. Uh, and it's a situation where a period of time of the maybe five to ten years where a uh, a couple find that they've got a lot more surplus cash flow. And uh, typically they will concentrate on investing, super contributions, reducing debt, etc., etc. So it's a period of time dictated by or characterised by reducing commitments uh, and increasing financial strength. And this is the time when you should start considering pairing back insurance. It's not a black or white decision as in should I keep it or should I cancel the policy. Uh, More correctly or more often, it's really about reducing cover gradually over time uh, rather than just turning around the next day and saying, that's it, I'm going to cancel this policy. Uh, And so that's, uh, you know, sort of important to think about that. And then typically assuming you've got, sorry, the the fourth phase is retirement, of course, and assuming you've got sufficient assets or you predict you will have sufficient assets, it's probably reasonable to um, expect not to have very much cover or potentially zero uh, two to three years away from retirement. So you certainly probably don't need any insurance in retirement, or at least most people wouldn't. Uh, and just as you're approaching retirement, that's when you probably get rid of uh, your, all your insurance policies, assuming you, you're, you predict you're going to have sufficient assets, of course, uh, and it's appropriate. Uh, so if we just, uh, if I just summarise then, um, uh, the first one is singles, you don't need any cover. Young family, you need a lot of cover, probably peak in, uh, in your lifetime. Uh, empty nesters, that's when you start trimming back cover, uh, particularly in your 50s as insurance uh, starts to become very expensive. Uh, and then by the time, you know, two or three years away from retirement, it's conceivable to have uh, zero cover at that p- potential point in time. And it's important to frame it like that because sometimes when people look at insurance, they think, oh, I'm going to pay this premium until I'm 60 years of age. Uh, no, well, the whole point is that hopefully you're going to build your asset base over time and that you'll need less insurance uh, as that time elapses. Uh, so when we think about the quantum of cover, so how much cover does someone need uh, in terms of life insurance or income protection, those sorts of things, uh, there's probably uh, four things that you would think about in determining sort of how much cover. The first thing is sort of replacement of living expenses. So, for example, if I was to pass away um, and my kids are, are 14, um, I, you know, I would have to, uh, well, my, my, my wife, my surviving spouse would have to um, uh, have enough income to, or resources to pay for living expenses. And, and it'd have to be enough resource to pay for her living expenses for the rest of her lifetime and obviously my kids for who, who, whoever knows how long. Um, if, you've, if the surviving spouse uh, generates an income in their own right, well, you might have to only replace a, a portion of living expenses. But that's the first thing you need to think about. The second thing is repayment of debt. Uh, typically, we'd want to get rid of any non-deductible debt, so any home loan. Uh, and then maybe we'd want to provide for the repayment of all investment debt, but at least I would expect in most situations to um, have enough cover to reduce debt uh, to the extent uh, that the properties or any any investment assets become uh, sort of self-funding, so neutrally geared. Uh, that is, they're not costing us any cash flow. Um, the third uh 
consideration is then to compensate for any um, deficiency in assets. So, for example, if I know that uh, we're not going to have enough assets to fund retirement um, because we were reliant upon me working for the next 10 years uh, to sort of uh, acquire more assets and build more wealth, uh, then I need to compensate for that. Uh, So that could be a lump sum benefit, half a million, million dollars, whatever it might be. Um, And then finally, the fourth consideration is funding of any specific goals that uh, that are important to you. And probably the most common there is um, uh, children's education. So you might make a, a provision for that. So when looking at um, income protection insurance, life, TPD, uh, the trauma, those sorts of uh, products, they're the sorts of things that we think about when sort of framing uh, how much cover do you need. And of course, there's always a tension between um, uh, trying to uh, protect your risk, but also at the same time trying to not waste money on insurance. And I'll put waste in inverted commas, of course, uh, because if you if you the less you spend on insurance premiums, the, that means the more you have to invest, and the more you have to invest, the stronger your asset base will be over time, and therefore the less you need insurance. So of course, there's this tension between not wanting to spend too much, uh, but also then uh, uh, also not wanting to take. Uh, too much risk and it's kind of a a chicken or the egg kind of scenario I guess to some extent and my response to a situation like this is that um, you need to have a balanced level of cover so it needs to be affordable Um, you know it needs to be relatively good value for money Um, but you shouldn't be trying to get to a point where you've reduced your risk to zero or close to it so you've got to take on some risk um, it's not about um, eliminating all risk, but it's also just making sure you get your best bang for your buck, really, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, one response sometimes that people have with respect to insurance is, well, if I lost my job, I'd just sell some assets. Um, like I'd sell the investment properties and then I'd be able to repay all my debt, uh, for example. Uh, and of course, yes, that's a solution, uh, you know, a short-term solution to your issue around how do you service commitments. Um, but then that short-term solution creates a longer-term problem, which is the whole point of buying those assets in the first point, uh, in the first place, I should say, was to uh, fund retirement and build your um, asset base. So if you go and sell them, that's great. You've got rid of them, but then how do you fund retirement? Uh, so that's not always the, the wisest thing to do. It can be appropriate in some circumstances, but uh, just thinking through, you know, what, what risks are you willing to take is, is probably the most important thing. Uh, I just wanted to drop in here a bit of a warning about income protection insurance products. If you have an existing income protection insurance product with a retail insurer, you know, people like Zurich or Tal or Astron, those sorts of uh, insurance providers... Uh, then think very, very carefully before you um, reduce the benefit or, in fact, cancel the policy. And the reason I say that is that um, uh, the insurance companies are coming out with a whole new suite of uh, products, income protection products, and the cover, we don't have all the details yet, but it it certainly seems the details we have to date uh, suggest that the uh, depth of cover is substantially different to um, previous legacy sort of products. Uh, So you're not going to get the same level of cover and the same type of uh, cover that you you have done previously. So if you've got a legacy product like that, just uh, make sure you get some advice uh, before cancelling it. Um, 
the, the changes that they've made to income protection insurance are significant. Uh, things like uh, five-year contract terms, um, which means the insurer uh, in five years' time can turn around and say, well, I don't want to insure you anymore, uh, whereas they used to be non-cancellable. If you kept paying the premium, they had to insure you. Um, uh, they've they've uh, put in place measures to reduce long-term benefit payments, so that is claims that last longer than two years, those sorts of things. So I'll, I'll do a, a podcast uh, when, when we have all the details and we can do the analysis, uh, but just wanted to throw it out there uh, that, that if you've got that legacy product, uh, be very careful about uh, cancelling or reducing it. And so just to wrap up here, insurance is a very important uh, consideration because it's important to think about your upside, which is how I'm going to build wealth, uh, but then also at the same time, Think about your downside. How do I minimise risk on the on the way to building that wealth? Uh, and so, uh, developing a long term strategy, I think, certainly helps inform us around what insurance needs a particular client might have, sort of during their life cycle, if you like. Uh, and so, if you have a low asset base, then sure, you might need insurance. Uh, but at the same time, it also means you need to develop a uh, a strategy to help improve your financial position. Uh, which will hopefully eventually put you in a situation where you can eventually reduce your insurance cover uh, and stop spending money on on premiums. And, and a holistic approach to both insurance and wealth accumulation, I think they both go kind of hand in hand because they both sort of inform each other. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Thank you to everyone for leaving uh, a review or rating uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, particularly on Apple. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. If you haven't done so yet, it'd be great if you could do so, leave a review or rating. And until next week, bye for now.